Earlier today, I was in a conversation with a priest friend of mine, and we are kind of discussing this homily and just kind of exactly what he preached on and what his thoughts were about today's gospel. And what he did was he pointed out to me that this gospel, the gospel we've all heard hundreds of times about Zacchaeus, makes all the more sense when we consider it and its placement in the gospel of Luke, especially what is said the chapter beforehand. If we look at the chapter beforehand, it's an interesting chapter because in it we have the famous story of the rich young man. We've all heard about the rich young man. He goes to Jesus and says, Lord, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And he says, well, follow the commandments. And he lists a bunch of commandments. Oh, yeah, Lord, I do that. And so the Lord looks up at him and says, well, then sell what you have, give to the poor, and follow me. And the rich man, what, the young rich man, what does he do? He walks away sad. Why? Because he has many possessions. Because he has many possessions. And that's whenever Jesus said one of the most terrifying lines in all of the Gospels, especially to us Americans. And he said, It is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to see the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a rich man, it is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. And then lo and behold, just a few verses later, we see a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven. Incredible. Incredible. But what's so interesting about this passage is that the two rich men couldn't be more diverse. We see in the first chapter, the young rich man, we see him, you kind of think of like, you know, whenever the scriptures say like a young rich man, you think of like a tall, strapping young lad, probably like dressing like one of like the fancy silk togas, like walking around, being very like bold and brave with this like fancy yarmulke on his head, like just, just really got his stuff together, all right? Versus Zacchaeus, who's too short to see over the people and over the crowd. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know. I kind of like whenever these like little scripture passages come in, I like let my imagination run wild. And I cannot picture Zacchaeus without thinking of a really short, fat guy. Like, I used to think like this like, little like, like midget kind of like fellow, like kind of like a Danny DeVito fellow, just like yelling at people, getting really mad at, at him. And, and to me, but and so like complete opposite from the rich young man. I mean, he got very little going for him. But the other thing, too, is the rich young man, a true Jew. Follows the commandments, does what he needs to do, never breaks a rule, play, pays the temple tax. He's got it down pat. But Zacchaeus, totally different. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, which basically, translation in scripture terms, he is the equivalent of a, Jew, of a Jewish traitor. He has completely gone against the Jewish tradition. Why? He has chosen to represent the Romans and proceed to go and tax the heck out of the Jewish people. And how does this work? Generally, it's about a 10 to 20% tax, and it's a tax based off of everybody who walks into that city, the city of Jericho, which is a rich city, by the way, goes into the city of Jericho with any type of merchandise. They have to pay taxes for it. And generally, Zacchaeus is the one to decide how much, or how much, generally how much they pay. And generally, what happens is he inflates the taxes, just enough to give to the Roman Empire, and just enough to keep for himself. Hence the reason why he is a wealthy man. So we're looking at a wealth 
that is probably dishonest. The rich young man is probably an honest wealth. I mean, I, don't see, we don't see, I see no reason to say otherwise. But Zacchaeus has betrayed his people. To kind of give you another example of how much Zacchaeus actually betrayed his people, think about the word Zacchaeus. Kind of an odd Jewish name, don't you think? It's not something you hear much. And the reason why it's an odd Jewish name is because the guy's name isn't actually Zacchaeus. The guy's name is actually Zechariah. Zechariah, the name of the Jewish prophet. The very common Jewish name, Zechariah. But because he's allying and selling his soul essentially to the Romans, what does he do? He changes his name and Latinizes it to Zacchaeus, the, the, the nominative singular form of the word, the Jewish, the Jewish word, the E, the, the U-S, the E-U-S is a, is a Latin derivative and a kind of a Latinization of the name. So you can see just about why this guy is extremely unpopular, why whenever he goes to the kind of parade of Christ, he, nobody's letting him in, they're kind of bullying him out and forcing him to climb a tree. I mean, can you think of like a rich, wealthy man climbing a tree? Not to mention a fat, rich, wealthy man. Man, that's got to be a sight to see. But here he is. He's climbing a tree. He's humiliating himself all just to do what? Just to see Jesus. And what happens? He sees Jesus and Jesus reaches out to him. He doesn't come running to Jesus to justify himself. He doesn't go to Jesus and say, hey, listen, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. What more do I need? Hey, I'm good, right? Which is essentially probably what the rich young man was doing. The rich young man knew he was hot stuff. And he went just to show Jesus how great he was. And what happened? He walked away feeling miserable because he knew he had failed. He knew there was something wrong, that he wasn't ready to give up his possessions. Zacchaeus felt nothing of the sort, and that's clear here. There's something of a misery to Zacchaeus, something like things are just not going his way. Yes, he has a lot of money, but he knows just by the fact that he has to climb this darn tree that he's wronged his people. There's something missing, that he, in all reality, needs a savior. He's not going to justify himself to Christ. He is going to Christ so that, he, that Christ may justify him. Big difference. Huge difference. And that's how Zacchaeus achieved salvation. Zacchaeus went to Jesus, put himself in that place, and Jesus called out to him. I'll give you an example kind of a living example on, on, on the story of Zacchaeus. I think it is an example that, that has always stuck with me. There was once a blind Jesuit, and, it, you know, and he was going to a park. Now, the, some of the deals with, with, with the, the, the visually impaired is that they're very good with mental maps. They know about how many paces to get to this point, and then turn left here or right here or right there. So they generally have a good sense of direction. But if they get turned around or if they take a wrong turn at some point, it throws everything off. And that's what this blind Jesuit did. He was walking to a park and took a wrong turn and realized that he was lost. He was in trouble. So as he's lost, he's starting to pray. Like, Lord, what do I do? I'm helpless. 
I need, I need your, your intercession. I need somebody to come and give me a hand. I need some kind of intervention. And all of a sudden, he heard, he's a very prayerful man. He heard subtly, deep down within, go stand in the middle of the road. He's like, what the heck? I'm blind. Like, I'm going to get run over. Somebody's, somebody's going to hit me. Why do I stand in the middle of the road? But then he heard something else. Put yourself in a place where you can be found. Put yourself in a place where you can be found. Sure enough, he did that. Somebody drove up. Ironically, it was another Jesuit. It was another priest. Picked him up, drove him to the park, and everything was a-okay. But I think that simple message that that, that that Jesuit received in prayer applies in every way, shape, and form to this gospel passage. Zacchaeus did, was not trying to prove anything. He wasn't trying to go to the Lord with a list of accomplishments. All he did to achieve salvation was put himself in a place where he could be found. He was lost. And he knew it, but he put himself in a place where Jesus could find him. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save what was lost. And that's what's so interesting. Zacchaeus had that divine, precious encounter with Christ. And what does he do? On his own volition, he sells half of what he has and gives it to the poor. And he restores to everyone what he did wrong four times what he wronged them. That means that if he took 10% more tax than you deserve, than you needed, he's going to give you back 40%. That's insane. I wish he would wrong me. Like, that would be awesome. But the thing is, is that he, Jesus did not ask him to do this. Jesus did not ask him to do this. He did it on his own volition. Because he had a profound encounter with Christ. Because he had a profound encounter with Christ. My dear friends, that's where it's at. That's what we need as Catholics. We can always go to the Lord and say, Lord, I attend Sunday Mass every Sunday. I go to confession once a month. I do this, I do that. I'm good, aren't I? Rich young man mentality. Verses, Lord, I go to Mass, I go to confession, because I know I'm lost, but I believe that you can find me. Big, big difference. And yet that's the difference between damnation and salvation. One presumes the other, one presumes upon God's mercy, the other asks for God's mercy. And that's what Jesus is encouraging us to do. Encouraging us to realize that you and I are not necessarily found just yet. We still got a ways to go. But if we can recognize that we're lost and be like Zacchaeus and put ourselves in a place where we can, find, we can be found, then surely Jesus Christ will stay at our house and surely Jesus will give us the salvation that we seek. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save what was lost.